know what really makes us mad? Is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Talk about punk! What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotta Pod. I am your co-host, Justin Hensley. And I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And we're going old school again. Yeah. Classic format. format. Wow, right off the bat. <laughs> and we thought we were warmed up. Classic format. True true Punk's Lotto Pod. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it old school. We're going to use the rate your music and random number generator type thing. We could go behind the curtain and tell you how we chose it if we wanted to, um, but we'll save that till we get into it. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, we'll see it. We'll intro the show first. Um, let's see. We have a Patreon where for $1 a month, you get up to four to five bonus audio episodes every single week. Well, not well, no, wait. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. You don't get four to five bonus episodes every week. <laughs> <laughs> every week you get a new bonus audio episode uh for a dollar so uh you know you get access to all the back episodes as well as whatever new things we post we could we may start experimenting with the type of posts that you could see over there uh who knows we'll see but uh there's also 25 dollar tier which no one's taken advantage of yet where you you the listener get to choose the album we talk about uh you depending on you know if you want you could be a guest who knows Pay to be pay to play. Be on the show. Yeah, you gotta you gotta sell fifty tickets. Um, <laughs> but yes, that Patreon is a link in our bio. I believe it is patreon.com slash punkladopod though. Uh, what's going on with them lucky numbers over there? They're still rolling out weekly. Yeah, check that out at punkladopod.substack.com. And we're on all the social medias: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know the usual. Voicemail line 202-688-PUNK. Call it. Leave us a message. And uh, I think that covers all of our social media and links yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah. So. We got nothing else to plug. This is all we do. <laughs> yeah. Very much. I spend too much time on this sometimes. Yeah. I guess we're going to go with the old format here. We've got. Uh, we made our selection using the Rate Your Music punk charts and a random number generator. We did something a little different this time. Uh, instead of just like picking a number at random, we were, were going to do something a little different that we've not, we want to do, but have not figured out how to do yet involving protopunk. But I'm not entirely sure how we're going to work that in in the future. I think we realize there's not enough protopunk bands to really justify. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, like, I was trying to do a, I was thinking about maybe a bracket, and then I was like, what do people actually consider proto-punk? And I was having to do a lot of like, well, this is sort of proto-punk, even if like <laughs> it's not tagged proto-punk. And we might do that. We might do a bracket. We might just, I don't know. We might do a random proto-punk record someday, but if we're using Rate Your Music, the the bench is not very deep. And the quality <laughs> on some of those... uh second and third string <laughs> choices are not good yeah yeah we'll have to play around with it and figure out how to do that 
maybe we'll do something Patreon exclusive. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll just do something special. I don't know. <laughs> we may just go, here are the 10 albums we have eligible to listen, to talk about. Let's pick one of these at random and talk about it. <laughs> We've done Patti Smith before, so I guess that's one of them off the page. This is what, Iggy and the Velvet Underground and MC5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Stooges. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> otherwise you start getting into a whole other genres of music. Yeah. I don't want to talk about The Doors. No. <laughs> But so for this one, we kind of just said the 70s. Yeah. Because there really aren't that many albums that are classified as punk in between 76 and 79 anyway. And uh, we're going to have an episode coming up soon about 78. So today we're doing 1979. Y'all Patreon episode that corresponds with this episode. We're not doing the charts, so we may spend a little more time with those today. Yeah. 1979, we are firmly in post-punk leading into new wave. Yeah, it's the punk is over, let's do something else. Um, yeah. Already. There's not a whole lot that you would consider, like, true punk. You're kind of, I mean, you're starting to see... At least in the U.S., you're starting to see the next wave of what punk would be, you know, California and what would lead to hardcore. Trying to remember what we've talked about from 79 before, because I know we've done it. Uh, We talked about germs. Yeah, the germs GI. We did that with Jay Gonzo. We did uh, Buzzcocks, a different kind of tension. Right. That's it, though. Have we only hit it twice? Because we, yeah, we've talked about some of these bands, of course, but not not these records. So, Oh, no, we did Punishment of Luxury last Oh, that's Academy. right, 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 right. So I knew we hit at least three times, but yeah, that's probably the three LPs that we've done. We've done a few EPs as well to match with those, but... Yeah, 1979, you know, it's Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division. It's London Calling by The Clash. It's Fear of Music by Talking Heads. Entertainment by Gang of Four. You know, that's probably the big the big hitters there. You know, we have records by The Cure and Wire, Three Imaginary Boys, and 154. Uh, Pill put out Metal Box. Pill, if you believe all the punk documentaries that were produced in the 90s and early 2000s, Pill was one of the most important bands from that time period. But I don't either like punks just decided they didn't give a shit about John Lydon anymore because <laughs> he's such a tool uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, they realized that Pill wasn't that good. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
I think Pill were important then, but I think that the only people who continue to have an interest in them are the kind of people who want to talk about the experimental post-Sex Pistols project. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's pretty niche today. Um, I think, And I think Pill are probably more uh, more a part of the alternative music lexicon in the UK. Because, I mean, they had radio play at some point. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, even some of the... Even the band that we're going to talk about today had some radio play. Uh, <laughs> um, so... The UK UK radio listeners were more willing to go out on a limb, I think, which probably explains why New Wave became the crossover success that it did. Because so much of like the 80s British New Wave, I don't know, that that came as an extension of what was actually New Wave. (laughs) I pulled I pulled the EPs. You mentioned EPs and, and I was thinking there might be something significant. The only things that I really came up with are Nervous Breakdown by Black Flag, Horror Business by The Misfits, uh, Gravest Hits by The Cramps, which we did talk about previously. Otherwise, it gets pretty obscure pretty fast. Like, there's a Killing Joke EP. I can't imagine Killing Joke at 79 was even remotely what <laughs> Killing yeah. Joke would become. There's a U2 EP. Oh, Avengers, their self-titled EP, which is, again, more of the the next wave of American punk i guess yeah yeah because the first wave of american punk is the new york scene x had x had some albums by 79 like los angeles is what 78 no 80 oh okay dead kennedy's though already had stuff no fresh fruit was 1980 as well (laughs) um california uber allies came out in 79 yeah um, the single but they were playing shows yeah they were active yeah um, I guess as far as like, uh, let's play this game. If if it was up to you, what album would you select to talk about? What would I actually pick? Not what? Yeah, uh, what, would, what we got? Yeah, if it was, if you were choosing the album, what would you pick? I would probably go either Fear of Music or Entertainment by Gang of Four. Though 154 by Wire, I we had we uh we had that on our list that we were sending to people when we kept trying to make our guests listen to something that they didn't want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one sat on that list for quite a while. <laughs> uh, it's good, though. It's it's more in in line with like Chairs Missing and the, the more experimental stuff that Wire would really continue to do. It's not exactly like Pink Flag. Um, otherwise, Drums and Wires by XTC is pretty incredible. That would be one I would be interested in digging in deeper. I would probably pick the B-52s, self-titled. Those first two B-52s records are phenomenal albums. I would like... I've listened to that Slits record, Cut. Uh, I've listened to that before. I'd like to dig into it. It's one of those ones that it's like, I've heard it, but I want to, like, study it, you know? Mm-hmm. Very different sounding record for going on in UK punk in 79. And, of course, you know, Machine Gun Etiquette and Flammable Material by The Damned, Stiff Little Fingers, Setting Suns by The Jam. You know, like, there's there's a lot of really good stuff there's a Devo record, a Patty Smith record. Yeah. The uh this the follow-up Devo record that's not as good as what would what came out before and what came out after. Wave is post big single, radio single charting post Easter. So this is Hattie, I guess, at her height or well just after. 
because she was never successful as she was with Easter. Is Easter the one with the Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, that has become because the night. Yeah, and it's really funny if you just like keep digging on these charts, you kind of lose names you recognize by page three. I mean, there's a couple that you're just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm aware of the plugs. <laughs> yeah. You've seen that name in lists of punk bands <laughs> that were active then. Um, what else is interesting? There is there's some interesting stuff on the second page though. Mm-hmm. A can of bees by the Soft Boys. I haven't listened to that whole record, but I have heard some songs from it. There's a Simple Minds record. Yeah, God, Simple Minds were around for so long before they <laughs> they like crossed over here. I feel like. Which is what? Breakfast Club? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a, another P-Model record. I've mentioned them. Uh, maybe I've mentioned them on one of our... Yeah, that was actually a Patreon episode. Anyway, uh, In a Model Room by P-Model. That came out in 79. That's an, an interesting Japanese synth-punk uh, new wave record. Better than the Devo record that came out this year. I'll say that. Pretty cool record. Adam and the Ants, Dirk White, Dirk wears white socks. Not quite the Adam and the Ants that uh, you would get on uh, on uh, Kings of the Wild Frontier yet. Like they hadn't quite figured out all the like the big drums and the harmonies and everybody singing over top of each other. Yeah, quite Dirk, yet. Dirk wears white socks is pretty scrappy. There's good I, moments. It has good moments. I listened to this record almost a year ago, actually. We were on our way to go to some national parks in California, and it was very late, and I was using a some sort of generative listening system similar to our show <laughs> uh, to select records for myself to listen to. My wife was definitely asleep for this one. <laughs> I don't recommend listening to Dirk Wears White Socks by Adam and the Ants in at, like, 11 o'clock at night or however late it was outside of I must have been outside of uh, was I driving through Modesto or Sacramento. Um, it was late and I had been driving for like 12 hours. So that kind of colors my perspective of that Adam record. <laughs> There's hmm. kind of cuts out there like halfway through <laughs> that pretty, page. pretty much right after Adam and the Ants. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a Rutz record. Yeah, um, Boomtown Rats. I see the Boomtown Rats on these lists all the time, and yeah. I still don't really know what they sound like. There's an Alex Chilton, a post Big Star Alex Chilton record on this chart for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I would not call that punk. On a similar, not really punk, but at least this one makes a little bit more sense. There's an Ian Dury record. Hub Rock was still going in 79. I'm sure they still existed very, very heavily in pubs. <laughs> you know, you need somebody to play. It's like white boy reggae bands at bars today. Uh, there's a Midnight Oil record. Yeah, the, the first I think it's the first Midnight Oil. Uh, the uh, the Sid Vicious self-titled. Yeah. Oof. I mean, Sex Pistols put out great rock and roll swindle too. Soundtrack compilation, whatever you want to call that thing. Wow. There's a Mekons record, the first Mekons record. I didn't realize they went all the way back to the 70s. But uh, yeah, otherwise we're <laughs> you're getting. You're getting into the uh, bottom of the barrel with your oi, like angelic upstarts. And there's a uh, new wave adverts record. 
Well, yeah, on the next page, there's there's two records that I listened to this week, kind of just getting in the 1979 mode. And uh, on the next page, there's a Link Ray album called Bullshot. Uh, came out 1979. It's like tagged hard rock psychobilly. I'm assuming they're just tagging psychobilly as a punk subgenre. It's interesting. I wouldn't say the record's great. There's some fun stuff on it, but overall, it's very much like a hodgepodge of just like these different songs. And then I found this really weird Japanese release that is by a group called, scrolling down, Sheena, Sheena and the Rockets. Uh, I'm not sure what the record is. It is written in kanji, but the album features the Batman theme. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's got a bunch of other songs that like I recognize, but they're not labeled the right, the, the actual U.S. or like, the English or song titles. Very strange sounding album. Uh, there's some um, Finnish punk. I've, I know I've mentioned them on the Patreon, but uh, there's a record by a band called Ratsia. That's their self-titled record. They were a Finnish punk band, and it's pretty interesting. If you want, if you want to hear something that's obscure from this time period and is actually worth listening to, <laughs> <laughs> like. I'm not going to tell you to go listen to whatever boys record came out. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, or that stinky toys record. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we should probably get into the actual uh, record we're talking about today. Yeah. We should get away from the speculation on the, these records. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned you used the seven, just the seventies. So I don't know what the number was on that chart that you got this album, but on the 79 chart, it is number 59 and it is another kind of blues by the UK subs. Our impression of UK subs is very wrong. (laughs) Yeah, let me run some stats down real quick. Uh, The UK subs formed in London in 1976. This is their first full-length album. God, they were around since 76. Why did it take them so long? Uh, It was released on September 14th, 1979 on Gem Records, a subsidiary of RCA Records. And the person on this record is Charlie Harper on lead vocals and harmonica, Nikki Garrett on guitar, Paul Slack on bass, and Pete Davies on drums. The record was produced by the band and John McCoy. Okay. Full disclosure, whenever we landed, whenever, well, I didn't actually initially land on this record. I actually did land on the record above it, which I guess they were like right next to each other on the uh, on the 70s charts as well. Because I'm pretty sure I pulled just the 70s. But uh, I, re- I initially landed on Dawn of the Dickies by the Dickies. <laughs> um, and I went and looked at the track listing. And there's like a racist song title. And I was just like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm not, not going to were... get into that 
Is it okay? It was ironic. Which we're going to actually have to do with this record. <laughs> not as clear. Not that. nearly as bad, yeah. Right. It's not as noticeable. Uh, yeah, the Dickies, when you picked them, I was kind of like, ah, no, nah, we shouldn't do the Dickies. I understand their importance. I really do understand their importance in 70s punk and their sound and their impact on the L.A. punk community. But at the same time, they did not age well. So, <laughs> no. Uh, much respect for their importance, uh, but I don't need uh, anyone. To, I don't need to put the uh, the HBO note of <laughs> note in front of the Looney Tunes cartoon saying we understand that this is offensive, but we're leaving it intact. We, you know, I'm not doing that. But yeah, <laughs> UK subs jokingly they kind of became. Okay, so we've we've anytime the UK subs ever come up on a chart, I always say UK subs like that. You know, UK soaps. And uh, to me, they're an example of a UK punk band that never called it quits. And they're one of those punk bands that became legendary by default simply because they were there and they never went away. The addicts are like this. The exploited are like this. Uh, who else? There's plenty. There's plenty of bands in this vein. The Stranglers. Yeah. They had the longevity, mm-hmm. which, I mean, really, Charlie Harper had the longevity. That- <laughs> He's really the only, to as far as I can tell, he's the only original member. Yeah, yes, he's the only original member. He's the only member that remained throughout the beginning to the end. And, uh, like, looking at the lineup of this record, Paul and Pete would leave the UK subs by the 1981 album Diminished Responsibility. Nikki would leave before the 83 album Flood of Lies. And Pete and Nikki would pop in and out of the band throughout the 90s and 2000s. And Paul would come back from 08 to 2010. So, yeah, it's just Charlie and just whoever he can talk into being his band, which at one point was Lars Fredrickson. But so, like, I was kind of excited to get into this one because I was like, okay, let's see why. Because there's a reason why they've been able to make it this long. So what is it? And why not start with their first record, also their most popular record, though the second record sold more copies. Yeah, I mean, they were an active band at that point on the upswing. So that kind of makes sense. This is the highest rated. It's interesting looking at the ratings of their discography on rate your music, because there seem to be kind of like, there will be a string of low rated records and then a string of records that are rated almost as high as this one. Like their first seven records are all over 3.0. Um, so they they have had some consistency, at least among their fans, you know, with some weak points, probably just based on the lineup changes, you know. Yeah. And then when we did the flex your head comp, and, you know, SOA covered UK subs and then you drew you, you pulled this name up on the list. And I was like, let's let's do this because I want to know I need to know really what they sound like, not what my imagination is of what they sound like. Yeah, because they're associated with Oi. Mm-hmm. And we know what Oi sounds like. Mm-hmm. Listening to this record, I would not call it Oi. No. I can see how it's influential to Oi, but no, I wouldn't call it an Oi record. They're called one of the first street punk bands. That makes more sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it also ties into what UK82 later. I mean, this, okay, so to me, this record is what UK punk was primarily going to sound like 
had all the 77 punk bands not decided to go to either post-punk or new wave. Like, this is what would have happened next. Or, like, embracing, like, lots of reggae roots stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say I would say that the UK subs on this record are a really solid example of the UK punk sound. If you take away the idiosyncrasy, if you take away the idiosyncrasies of like Joe Strummer's voice or you know Johnny Rotten's voice or like most of the, actually most of the big UK punk bands have like the vocalist that has that voice where it's just, you know who it is as soon as you hear their voice. I mean, Dave Anian from the damned is the same way. Even, even early on when he's not quite doing his gothy bellowing stuff, he still sounds like Dave. This is more, yeah, this is more like what the exploited sound like or the vibrators or even the boys, you know, it's what they sounded like in 77. Yeah. Because the boys by 79 don't sound like they did in 77. No, no. The adverts don't sound like that, you know. That's what I'm saying. It's the, if everyone hadn't immediately dropped the punk sound and moved on to post-punk sound, like, the first chance they got, <laughs> like everyone else did. And UK subs very much did not do that because they didn't, they were this kind of, they were this kind of punk band in 77. They just didn't release their first record until 79, and so they were just like, well, now we have the, these are the things you to do right in a punk record. And they just kind of like condensed it all together. It's not like the, you know how a lot of those 77 punk records, you're like, the first couple songs are very clearly punk songs, but then like they immediately turn into like Mercy Beat or like pub rock, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, they ran out of the punk songs because they didn't have enough. They didn't know how to write more punk songs. Because, yeah, they tried to adopt a sound that was blowing up too quickly and they didn't take their time. Which, so, in some ways, at least prob- probably then, and what lent, what gave them their commercial success is that they, for one, they had the time to respond to punk with a good album because the uk subs charlie harper particularly um he starts out as more of a garage pub rock musician prior to the uk subs um and they i read an interview with him from from fairly recently like maybe 2016 and he's talking about some of his early days and he talks about going to see the damned with his bandmates in a band that was called the Marauders, I want to say. And yeah. they were more like a, an R and B style pub rock band, the bird influence type bands. Yeah. And going to see the, going to see the damned and being, and the guys being like, let's do this. Like, and then that's how the UK subs basically formed. Like the Marauders ended and he's, they started the UK subs and decided yeah, it was- to be a punk band. He said it was like a lightning bolt. Like it struck him like seeing punk for the first time. He was like, holy shit, I want to do this.
Yeah, he he called it the future of rock and roll, which is funny because that's the slogan that's used to describe Bruce Springsteen, who was incredibly influential to UK punk when he played the uh, Hammersmith Odeon. Joe Strummer was extremely influenced by that, seeing that show. I like that the Damned were his first. It Because, you know, like all the stories were always like, we sold the Sex Pistols first, and we were like, fuck, we gotta do that. And then... <laughs> Yeah, and then he they go see the damned first, and they're like, "Oh, let's do that." <laughs> Which, if you've seen footage of the damned from this time period, like that's an impressive fucking band. Yeah, yeah, damned or like if you're a real like if you're a dumb guy who can play guitar and you go see the Sex Pistols, you go, "Oh yeah, I can be weird and wear cool clothes." Yeah, and if. But if you're like a good musician, which Charlie Harper is, he'd been playing guitar for a really long time, had been playing harmonica for a while. He I read that he he was playing folk in the 60s. And when you've had the the time to mature as a musician and as a person, he was born in 1944. He was older. He was definitely in his 30s when like the UK stuff blew up like. <laughs> And you and you as a mature adult, you go see the damned and you have this like conversion moment <laughs> like you're going to pick up the right lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, he's British and Mexican, I believe, is what uh, is that he has Mexican roots. So I'm, I'm assuming he says his <laughs> what they say his he's related to Cesar Chavez. Let me see if I can pull that up. David Charles Perez. Cesar Romero, excuse me. Cesar Chavez. <laughs> Reportedly a nephew of Cesar Romero. And Cesar Romero was... Um, the Joker. Was it? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the Joker. I didn't read that part. I did read in that interview, he talked about... Um, they asked him it, what he remembers of the war. I mean, kind of like... Obviously, you were too young to remember the war, I think was like mm-hmm. the intro to the, the to the interview. And he talked about what he had been told from his mother and like grandmother and, and family. Like he was almost blown up twice <laughs> during the Blitz. The he says he said that a V2 rocket hit a church at the end of their block and sent rubble through the wall of his house and knocked his crib over. <laughs> um, and then they moved south because like his grandfather was an explosives expert who was training the marines so they were down on the coast and then like their house got blown up again by a bomb a rocket landing next to it and his his mother like there's a story about his mother like jumping in the water to go save their children <laughs> so almost almost killed him yeah. two times i saw his in the beginning I saw the UK subs performance on top of the pops when they did Stranglehold. And I saw him and I was like, whoa, he's older than everybody. Like, (laughs) he's way older than the rest of the people he's like in the same scene with. It's kind of funny. Kind of reminds me. I guess there were some people like that in the L.A. scene. I guess X were a little older, especially Billy Zoom. I mean, George Drummer was older than the average punk when he started The Clash. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, he is. You could tell he's a little bit older. So uh, there was a lot. My expectations were, I'm either gonna hate this or it's gonna be the key that unlocks the UK subs for me. And I guess we could talk about this, like our, our actual opinions on the record. I think it's actually a really good record. It is 
if you okay my impression of it was the first two songs absolutely kick ass yeah yeah and there are some other great songs later in the record they do interesting things you can definitely see their pub rock background um like my first impression like off of the first like first and second song like the second song has like a harmonica part in it i was like big dr feel good vibes like <laughs> definitely influenced by by them um so they kind of dabble in a little bit of r&b bluesy kind of stuff uh throughout the record there are plenty of i mean there are enough weak songs where there's just not a cool guitar part or not an interesting melodic idea and there's enough songs like that to where I would say this record is not essential. Like, if you want an overview of 70s punk, I'm not going to recommend this one. I mean, if you want an overview of 70s punk that includes the also-ran bands that goes beyond the marquee names, I would definitely include this one. I would say that I would say this is the next step if you want to explore 70s punk, at least in the UK. Yeah, it's definitely not like the 50s, 70s punk records you must hear before you die. You know, it definitely doesn't make that cutoff. But at the same time, in 79, if you're going to be like, oh, I want more of what 77 was doing, this is the route to take. Like, they strike me as the keeping the candle alive type of punk band. Yeah. I mean, they definitely carried the torch, which mm-hmm. plays into, I think, their success at the time because uh, he, he talked about... Um, the Sex Pistols were done. You couldn't see them anymore. Um, like he's talking about people would come down to London to see punk bands and you couldn't see the Sex Pistols. They were done. Uh, the Damned and The Clash were touring Europe. You know, yeah. they were successful bands. They weren't playing in a pub <laughs> mm. or in a little club or even small theaters at this point. Um so what you saw was the UK subs and the vibrators. They were accessible. They were, yeah, they were definitely like that, that tier. They had, they didn't enter like that upper stratosphere of like a super rock star, you know, like maybe it's why you would lump them kind of in with stiff little fingers. Now them being in Ireland, that gives them a completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's vibe, different scenes. Yeah. But at the same time, they if you look at the greater history of punk music in general, they're probably closer to each other than the UK subs are to the Sex Pistols as far as like their importance on the grander scheme of punk. So I can totally understand why they became this. I imagine they just became this beloved punk band for British punks who are just like, ah, they're they're keeping it real like they're true punks. They're, are they, they're the first wave of true punks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that that mentality plays into like Oi and UK 82 and Street. And punk. I mean, even 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 anarcho punk. I mean, yeah. Crass spawned an endless number of bands <laughs> yeah. duplicating that sound and staying really true to one very narrow definition of punk, which makes the uk subs appealing to me because i i mean i haven't listened to anything else by them so i can't say what else they do but on this first record they do enough different things that i I have a hard time imagining they're gonna just put out the same record over and over again (laughs) 
second, I liked it probably a little more than you. I guess the, the takeaway I get. You're right. Like the first like two tracks are just like, whoa, these are great songs. Great way to start the record off. Um, I live in the car is decent. Tomorrow Girls has this like 60s rock and roll kind of throwback to it. And then you get into these like World War and rockers. They're just short and they don't have like super standout parts to them. Um, IOD has like this Ramon style delivery to it. And then there's another song that has a decent like Crash Course has a good Ramon style riff, too. But then you have like TV Blues, then Blues and Lady Esquire, like those three kind of run together. But then All I Want to Know has a really killer guitar riff with a shit chorus. <laughs> so this was the song that we're going to have to we're going to have to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I kind of dug TV Blues and Blues. Um, Lady Esquire, not as much. Then All I Want to Know comes on and I'm like, oh shit, this is kick ass. That's a great guitar part. And it builds up into this big chorus like, all I want to know is... And... <laughs> It's like ah, oh, you ruined it. Like, <laughs> like my really... my immediate reaction was like, you ruined this record for me. <laughs> it definitely was like the lyric in the album that I heard and paid the most attention to first. Like I'd listened to all the other songs up to this point, maybe taking in some words here and there. It's when he gets to the chorus, <laughs> all I want to know, and I'm like. Oh, let oh. me go read all the lyrics. Most, most of the rest of the lyrics are fine. They're typical 70s punk type lyrics. But <laughs> So that song he actually talks about in that 2016 interview. Um, there's two songs on this record that have some skeevy lyrics themes um, that get brought up in the interview, which I think was impressive of the interviewer to even approach the topic of yeah. these ancient songs at this point. <laughs> with him basically asking for an explanation um and he talks about how the in, the interview question was you got some shit for all i want to know and he was like i mean i really only got in trouble with um the women in crass who we were friends with yeah <laughs> and he says he draws a comparison to uh dead kennedy's um kill the poor he's like if you listen to kill the poor by dead Kennedys, you didn't really think that he meant we should kill the poor. Like <laughs> it was satirical. And like, as I was listening to the song and when I looked up the lyrics, I was like, this plays like the kind of edgy song that a lot of early punks did mm -hmm. where they were trying to be satirical and it not pointed enough or sophisticated enough to really work as good satire. But <laughs> The intent is there, and I feel like I feel like this song is a, almost a direct predecessor, not just in its lyrical themes, but also in its structure and that hook of the chorus to "Slip It In" by Black Flag, which is a song that I think accomplishes its satirical goals by being so outlandish with <laughs> Henry's sex noises. You know, though, I could almost argue too that this song itself. It's the the chorus is very much like it's a joke because of the way that line is delivered. It's this very just like does he suck? Just like this like doot 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 three little <laughs> like I think the joke is ah, this guy's you know he's a bum like he's just like this dude who just sucks like he's just not <laughs> it, yeah I mean it definitely plays as like a kind of cock rock parody like a 
I don't know what the 1979 equivalent of like a lad is, <laughs> but it, it feels like a send up of that kind of shitty dude. Yeah, I'm not dismissing. I mean, I'm not dismissing the song, but at the same time, it's le- it's just not it's less enjoyable to listen to because of <laughs> the lyric. Uh, the other song which they were requested to change the lyrics of uh, when they play Top of the Pops is stranglehold the last song because there's a line about she's 13, 13 she's only 13 or something and the so the studio made him change it to 18 which he said they would be playing the song and then he was just from muscle memory reciting the lyric the way it was written and they would stop like they would cut <laughs> and some guy would yell at him like you need to change you need to fix it but I, and then I, the, I think I read the same interview you did because he talked. Then they talked about like the irony of like uh, what's his name who like ran top of the pops being like a creep. Oh yeah, yeah. Which the whole time the lyric in question was inspired by like a like a a niece of his or some relative of his who basically had a really big crush on Pete the drummer. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Pete. Um, like she had seen a picture of him in a like a magazine or something, and so she had this like teenage girl crush on him, and so he was just he was basically making fun of Pete, like poking fun at Pete because this thirteen year old girl has a crush on him. Like <laughs> it's it's totally harmless. Yeah, it doesn't strike me as the dude is into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's the lines like, "Oh, so painful, but it's nice, but I can only take it once or twice." So like the attention's nice, but I got I I gotta get away. <laughs> like that's yeah. the vibe of the song. Yeah, I mean that's probably like the most standout lyrically. Lyrically, the rest of the album is you know it's typical like the kind of stuff that UK punks would be addressing, you know, in the seventies. I was curious about him. Like I wondered if he was like one of those like old UK punks who like turned shitty when he got old, got a little money. And as far as I can tell, no, he seems. They canceled a show in 2018 because the opening or like the band they were playing with had were a right wing band. And then they made this post saying, like, we're anti-fascist, we're anti, you know, anti-right wing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think if you almost get blown up by the Nazis twice in the first six months of your life. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine that you would ever come around to that mentality. Um, Definitely. He seemed to like have held on to the punk attitude of the 70s like i mean he's probably he's in his 70s now you know so like i'm sure there's some stuff that he's not cool with but who knows yeah i mean as i didn't come across anything no i tried to find too like he called out nick clegg who was like a uk lib dem which is kind of more more left than say the democratic party here it's like maybe like an an equivalent of like a AOC? No, not even that far. Maybe like just just the more, slightly more progressive Democrats. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like he called him out for being like, hmm, he sure does like the perks of being a politician. Like that kind of <laughs> thing is what he calls him out for. So I think he's basically like, yeah, he's he's not left enough. Is basically his his take. Yeah, I mean, in the interview, I mean, I I liked the way that he handled those questions about <laughs> the song, those songs, and. I, he I didn't get super he, defensive. He, yeah, he wasn't like, oh, come on. Like, he was just like, he explained it. And, I mean, you know, there's probably a little bit of, of chafing at, like, 
come on. It was it was a satire, which, yeah. you know, I mean, you could get like you could get really academic about it, but it's like, I don't know. It's a very short song. <laughs> And, and he and he talks about, I mean, he talks about folk music being really uh, influential to him, um, being and being a genre of music that was very subversive, um, anti-authoritarian. So you know, he talks about being influenced by Bob Dylan. And he talks about about seeing BB King probably in like the early, maybe late '60s, early '70s. I mean, you know, it, he's like we said before he even started a UK band uh, before he even started the UK subs before he started the punk band he was seemed to be pretty mature <laughs> yeah and definitely working class i totally see why they they're they kind of have this legendary status i mean the band itself never went away i mean yes most of the lineups are completely different but at the very least charlie's still doing it like they have 26 albums and every album they release starts with a different letter in the alphabet, which I was like, what? <laughs> Since how do you even think to do that early enough on? You know, I, I'm like, did, was that the plan all along or did you accidentally do ABC? And then you're like, oh, well, we got to continue then. <laughs> and then he was even like, yeah, the, when he got to like the Z, he was like, yeah, that means we're done. But then like they still made more music after that, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> they they were interesting because like the record was pressed on blue vinyl, which is really fun because like their color vinyl existed, but it wasn't like as common because like, in the U.S., you know, the Misfits were the band who did was doing colored vinyl regularly before everybody else was. So like it's funny to see UK subs being like blue vinyl. The album's named after Miles Davis, kind of blue. <laughs> like, I didn't even I didn't even make that connection, but yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> It's just kind of, it's just like, they stuck around. I'm more than likely, it's just Charlie going, well, I don't want to get a real job. <laughs> so, I mean, he did it, you know, through the 80s. Yeah. I mean, he would have been in his 40s and 50s in the 90s. So, like. What's he going to do? What's the point of calling it quits with your your punk band that has seemingly not overstayed its welcome? <laughs> You know, still had enough fans by the end of the 80s. Yeah, to justify... You can slow down some, but... To justify touring the world. They're the first band, the first what, the first UK band to play in Poland after, like, the Iron Curtain fell. And, like... That's pretty cool. Yeah, like, they, they're just, like, they just did some cool stuff. And then everybody's, like, they just stuck around and just... I just imagine that, like... They probably did the same circuit with the same other UK bands nonstop. Like, I'm sure they've played so many shows with the Addicts 
and so many shows with the exploited and you know <laughs> and uh sham 69 you know like all those bands cockney rejects you know just like the circuit oh now we're gonna do a u.s run you know like that kind of <laughs> we're gonna hit up some big festivals in europe i'm sure one of those big like Hellfest or one of those types of festivals you know so like to me this big big standout to this record is probably the guitar work like i think it's like the best part of the album and then like a couple just like melodies that they managed to get in there yeah it it is lacking on vocal hooks um there's not a lot of really big choruses there are some solid ones but the the more memorable parts are what the guitar is doing or even like the rhythm of the song like the more r&b leaning stuff i liked how thick some of these songs sounded like they're definitely on the the heavier end of punk at this point like probably only like motorhead would be heavier you know i mean crass i guess has but crass didn't have the recording quality mm-hmm. this record sounds good yeah it did, yeah it does have the in, the intensity of crass but yeah it is recorded better mm-hmm. they it's just funny to see like stranglehold and tomorrow girls were like top 40 hits in the uk like stranglehold is weird on the record because it almost is more upbeat than anything else on the album but then i see why that was a single like <laughs> you'd pick yeah. that one to be like oh that's the single <laughs> tomorrow girls was an odd choice i guess they were trying i don't know who they what they were trying to go for with that track but i would definitely have picked you know cid or i couldn't be like you yeah yeah I, all i want to know doesn't get to be a single i guess but i mean cid was a single in 78 um with uh live in a car Stranglehold was released with World War and Rockers. World War and Rockers go together. Like they, you have to have them together. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what the next record has. Warhead. That was like a another big song of theirs. And then uh, I don't know what the later albums even sound like, though. I'd be curious. Does they're one of those bands where I'm just like, I should just sample a little bit of everything they did after this, just to see what they do. Like, do they progress with trends? Are they one of those bands? Or do they just stick with what they know? I mean, if you look at the album cover for their 1982 record, Endangered Species, <laughs> they get a little bit more out there, I guess. It's it's pretty ugly. <laughs> it's a little trippy looking, yeah. Some acid punk, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious what like a I'm curious what like a nineties one of their albums sounds like, you know? Or like a two thousands record. Yeah, I mean, they have two pretty well regarded nineties records. Uh, Occupied and Riot are both, according to the uh, eggheads at Rate Your Music, <laughs> on par. Punishers on uh, Rate Your Music. <laughs> and there's a big gap between 2002 and 2011. Like, that's a pretty big gap. I don't know. Maybe there's some live stuff in there between, because it's not alphabetical anymore. Where's compilations to keep them al- from show to show? I feel like Wikipedia might be the better place to look for the alf- to get the alphabetical. Because some of those live records are like the spot in the alphabet. Yeah. So they count appeal sessions as the letter P. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Everyone always counts their appeal session as like a proper record. Big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I Uh, don't have any other lingering thoughts on the UK subs. Did we win? I think we did. I think I understand them now. Like I get it now. I get why they were, uh, they're a thing still. You know, yeah, definitely. It's the it's the punk you could get. Yeah, I totally 
big name punk records. Yeah. I totally respect it. I I like this record. I think it's a good record overall. Yeah, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Doesn't overstay its welcome. The songs that don't stand out are just pretty short. So ultimately, even those aren't. Yeah, I mean, the filler here serves as more texture, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. No worse than the filler on any other punk records from this time period. Like there's there's never anything on here musically that I'm that I can't listen to. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to skip anything on here if I revisit this record. I'm just going to listen to the whole thing and maybe tune out on the weaker moments. It'll just kind of blend. Like the the weaker tracks tend to just blend together because there were like some points where I was listening and like it would have changed like two songs and I missed it. I didn't notice the transition or the songs weren't distinctly different enough for me to notice. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, like I said, the I love CID. I loved I Couldn't Be You. Um, I enjoyed the two blues songs. I I thought Young Criminals was great. Uh, that's on, on the back half of the record. That's one of the stronger moments. Um, and Strangleholds a good, too. I, I yeah. enjoy that song. I thought it was. There's enough good to make it worth listening to again if you were just curious, you know, in the mood. But maybe the album overall isn't one that you go. Well, yeah, I'm not going to punk starter pack. I'm not going to chase down a copy of it, probably. Nah. If I saw it for, like, really cheap and it was listenable, I might buy it. But <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So, that thus concludes our classic Retro Lotto Pod. <laughs> yeah. I, I like doing these. I think we should keep these uh, classic format in the rotation. Yeah. They're fun... They're fun to do because it's going to get us things that we're not our guests probably aren't going to pick. Yeah, for sure. I, I imagine that if we'd given a guest the year 1979 and they would have looked at that whole list, this wouldn't have been on it. This wouldn't have been one they even considered. They would have picked The Clash or Joy Division or, you know, The, the Cure. Yeah, like there's a ton of stuff they would pick before this record. They probably wouldn't even pick that Buzzcocks record that we covered before from this year. They wouldn't have picked that Punishment of Luxury record, but I no. wish we hadn't either. But, you know, <laughs> I don't hate that one like I hate the Flipper record. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, like we said, all the links are in the show notes, social medias and Patreons and Substacks and all that good stuff. Give us a rating or a review. Leave us a voicemail. Send us an email. You know, all the good stuff. Uh, we'd love to hear from everyone. We really do love hearing from people. It's great. But that'll do it for us for this week. 